Well, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. It's Northern Ireland nil, Kazakhstan one. I'm Andy Bell, Ben Horshaw, and Stuart Cherry on with me tonight. We're probably not going to make this very long. We say that sometimes, and they end up being quite long ones. But I think we all want to get to bed, and I'm sure if you're tuning in, you're doing so out of some sort of feeling of obligation rather than wanting to listen to this. Because, <laughs> my goodness me, it's I don't know. Is it funny? I think it might be quite funny. I'm like not raging right now for some reason. I just don't think I have the energy to be raging at that because, yeah, I mean, Ben, the only hope is that that's our Luxembourg or Azerbaijan moment of the 2014 campaign and we're going to qualify for the next tournament by magic. Yeah, that is the most optimistic statement I've ever heard in my life. Listen, Um, the parallels are there. You cannot deny that the parallels are there. No, no. I, I, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah, um, it did. It did cross my mind that 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 was that moment for us. Um, but uh, it's 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 hard to be looking at even saying the word qualification at this minute in time, let alone uh, thinking about it. Yeah, I agreed. Um, Stuart, we're we, we look a million miles off it. I'm I'm actually sort of part of me thinking that. At this point, right, fine. Listen, we, we build for the next qualifying campaign with six games left. We've we've decent young talent coming through. Um, and you know that we can really build towards that next qualification campaign and hope that we get a nice draw and are able to do something in it. And then another part of me is is thinking that actually the level we're at and the level of our squad right now is is so much worse than anything we've seen really in the last um 10, 15 years, I think, and uh, possibly even longer. Like I, I personally and it may be me misremembering how these games went, but even in that, that Luxembourg 1-1 draw at Windsor, it felt like we had loads of chances, and you know we're probably a little bit unlucky, as embarrassing a result as that was. Azerbaijan probably didn't have many either, but I don't know. I feel, I feel like tonight we didn't even really get near their goal. We didn't even really get near their box very often. It was it was hardly like, I don't know, like even against Cyprus the other year where we were just whipping balls into the box and we couldn't get anything on it. I feel I felt like we struggled to get any sort of control of the play there. It was, we look a million, million miles off it. And, um, you know, it shows how possibly naive we were thinking that qualification was ever on the cards here, even in a nice grip and possibly even naive to think that in, in two years time, even with a nice grip and some of these players coming through that we'll be near it as well, to be honest. We never got going in the game, and a bit like yourself, I'm almost sort of, I wouldn't say ambivalent, is, is it's clearly not the, the, like high I'm feeling, but it's just sort of like, I'm, we've been here before, we've experienced this disappointment before, and I'm thinking back in my lifetime as a supporter, Latvia 1-0 at home, Armenia 1-0 at home, Canada 1-0 at home, Estonia 2-1 at home, just these shit results against teams that we should be beating, but on the again the body of tonight, we talked about this after the pod in, on on Friday um, from the Denmark game. Like I, we we were just really poor. Like the, the stats are one shot on target for us, two shots on target for them. And over the course of the ninety minutes, ninety five minutes, our inability to create anything um, outside of a very you know a rasping effort from from Connor Mack, which was what 20, 25 yards out. We, we, we just we didn't we weren't connecting passes we, we weren't you know uh, beating the first man from across we weren't beating the first man with any set pieces which I'm sure we'll get on to 
It was just flat. It was disorganized. It was ill-disciplined. It was careless. It was sloppy. It was very uninspiring. Um, and that's my emotion straight after the game. But yeah, just very, very disappointing. Um, and to your point, those performances, you know, against say Luxembourg, you know, we had three goals disallowed in that match. We had multiple chances that we created. Um, and I feel where we're low at the minute is we do not have that conveyor belt of established or up and coming players who are in the Premier League like we did 10, 12 years ago when we were on that that rut under Worthington and, and then subsequently under Michael. So, yeah, very uh, just real took the, the wind out of our seals after, I think, quite a gallant effort against Denmark. And yeah, qualification is gone indefinitely. Um, you know, sorry, sorry, definitely from this campaign. And it will be interesting to see how Michael approaches the next six. But uh, yeah, it's a, a real sickener. Yeah, Ben, at least this was haven't dragged us in and can't break our hearts this time. They can't break our hearts over these next six games um, as much as I'm sure they'll try. I think, you know, we've all accepted it's gone at this point. I think Sure, it makes a good point there. We did have those Premier League players back then and, you know, there was something, even if we didn't see it at the time, something we could build on. I think we're actually several levels below that, um, even what we were in, in Michael's first stint. And that this can be seem a bit uh, reactive or it can seem like we're misremembering how, quite how bad that was as well. But I don't know. I've, I'm a little bit worried that the, at the reliance on, you know, okay, good players coming through like Connor Bradley, um, Shay Charles, Callum Marshall, um, Dale Taylor, these players, ultimately like these are players coming through in league one. We've seen, you know, decent players like Ethan Galbraith, Alfie McCalment, players like this sort of slip off completely off the periphery. And, you know, two years ago, we were talking about them and, and they'll be in the squad at this point and they'll be starting. And, you know, there's no guarantee that a Bradley or a Taylor or a, a Marshall um, or any of these players that you named, or even a Shea Charles that, you know, become, sort of makes anything of their, their senior footballing career that's better than what we have to pick from right now in terms of championship midfielders. And I know that can be negative, but like this idea that, you know, these four or five young players that we have who are looking promising now, definitely come through and definitely become Premier League players. I think it's pie in the sky as well. So, you know, the, the, the level of the squad and the quality of the squad is a concern. Oh, there's no doubt about that. You know, yes, of course, we're recording this, you know, 20 minutes after full time, you know, emotions are high. But, the you know, when, when we look at this in the, in the cold light of day tomorrow, you know, uh, facts speak for themselves. You know, we had we had players that were experienced players playing at playing the Premier League, playing in the Championship. You know, you had your McCauley's, you had your Hughes's, um, you had your Chris Brunt's, Chris Baird, even not not as much in the Premier League, but experienced campaigners, um, you know, Roy Carroll, Mike Taylor. I mean, we're now, we're, you know, Shea Charles has looked wonderful. Um, you know, I've not a bad word to say against them, but like we're pinning all our hopes on on a kid that's has, has barely played first team football, you know, and, and, and he's not, it's not like, you, you could maybe do that if it was one, but there's several of them. You know, Connor Bradley, all right, this season's gone out and loan, and that's great. But before that, he was an international, but he barely barely kicked the kicked the full time uh, football. You know, it, it was so much of this with with Price as well. Um, and there again, industrious, energetic, enthusiastic. Um, there's a player in there, but they're being thrown in at the deep end, and and hopefully this will stand us in good stead in years to come. But you know, it, it makes me makes me wonder now. Now going into this campaign, I think we had we, we started we talked just as you know as the campaign was starting, and I, and I felt that although the group was good, 
I felt like it, it had come too early for this for us under Michael. Um, and for what we've got, this nucleus of players. Um, and then you, you do also, I'm, I sound like I'm making excuse after excuse, but you've got to also say, while we have lost certain players, you know, the injuries as well have been have hit us hard. Because if, you, if, if you've Steve Davis in there, not saying he's going to make the, the, all the difference, but if you've, if you've a player of experience for those players to play with and learn, you know, Alan McCann's a 10 times better player when he's playing beside Steve Davis, you know. Um, so if we've got those in there, it... it all right, it might be paping over the cracks as such, but it certainly is it's beneficial to us. Um, and it makes me it makes me wonder that, you know, it, the, even talking of of qualification at any stage before this campaign, I mean, were we being totally unrealistic? Um, you know, I, we're not on totally unrealistic. I don't think it's, you know, tonight is is not is not the answer in terms of being unrealistic. It's not unrealistic to think that we should be beating Kazakhstan at home with whatever group of Northern Ireland players we have. Um, but but to think, to really have thought that we were going to, you know, be able to come up against, your Finlands aren't the best teams in the world, but they're players that have played together. They're players that have played on a better level and are playing first team football. You know, Slovenia the same, they've played together for a while. Um, and was it, was it realistic? No, it wasn't realistic to think that we were going to get into qualification position. Michael has inherited a mess um, and, and, and has inherited a disjointed squad um, and a squad that, that needs organisation. And I was never going to be able to do that overnight. Yeah, and I think uh, Stuart, Michael mentioned in his press conference before it that all of their work in these two uh, camps that they've had have, have been off the ball. And I think you see that in terms of we we do look as solid as we have done since since the first Michael stint against Denmark. And you see that coming through. And that's where I at least maintain a bit of hope and think, right, at least Michael, you know, has got his hands on something, has worked on something and it has worked. But then, you know, when you play Kazakhstan at home, it, it did look a little bit... And it's something, to be fair, that we accuse Barraclough of not having a plan when we've got the ball at our feet. You know, the selection, okay, it's a little bit forced upon him, but it's it's a bit sort of wild and um, almost, you could argue, he's overthought it. He's, he's put six central midfielders in there, essentially. Okay, one's playing at centre-half, one's playing at left wing-back, and then there's a diamond in the midfield. But it, it's essentially six central midfielders. Even Hume's quite central, playing on the, on the wing-back position, and... I thought, you know what, we might have a bit of a plan and build up tonight. It might be this sort of Spanish idea of, you know, loads of players coming into the midfield, options all over the place, and that might be our way to sort of pass through them. And then it sort of actually came down to it, and it was still kind of Johnny Evans or Cathcart or McNair getting the ball and going for that long diagonal. And I almost thought, well, the team that selection he's picked tonight isn't matching what the players seem to be doing, certainly first 15, 20 minutes. I think we started to get a bit of a hold of it, but... Like the amount of times we ignored a, a Shea Charles who'd made a decent little move into the midfield and you know could have possibly played through them. I just don't think we backed the, the, the quality of the players we have at the minute. And there did seem to be in possession, and I know they haven't worked on a lot on in possession, but in possession there was a disparity between the team picked and how we were playing, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I just thought our midfield at times... Um, we've used these words before. It was sort of industrious. Shea Charles was getting himself by Ali McCann was, um, you know, I see price at times. Again, I thought George Savile had, had an okay slash decent game, but I was watching the game without commentary, unfortunately, just the way that the, the, the bar that I was in. And so you were really having to concentrate, you know, and watch and, and, and pick these things up the game. I don't know what anyone else thought. I just sort of bypass our midfield. We never seem to have any real control. Which is um, bad because we, we we specifically pick a team shirt for, with full of midfielders. So why is full it bypassing the midfield? Yeah. 
it, it completely did. And actually, one thing I noticed, um, a trait under us, uh, sorry, for us, I think in the last number of years, which has served us well, going back to Michael's first stint, we've always utilized wide players from your Niall McGinn's, uh, you know, of the world to the Chris Brunt's to Shane Ferguson's um, who, who get balls in the, the box and ask questions. I thought tonight it was so apparent that we were absolutely uh, void of any threat from, from wide areas. Uh, I made a, a count here now. Um, we had eight corners in the match, eight corners. There was the one, obviously, that came in deep in the first half to head her back across from McNair and Cathcart's header went over. But I thought, the, I thought our set pieces tonight, let alone how poor we were building through midfield, I thought our set pieces tonight, our crosses in general, were atrocious. I thought they were absolutely atrocious. And that has been an Achilles heel for us for probably been on three years, maybe even more. But yeah. I just thought we looked very, very disjointed in midfield, as you say, with midfielders. But we, we, we really struggled to get a grip of the game. Not that they necessarily did. It just it wasn't a, a particularly good game of football. I don't think anyone would say that three shots in 95 minutes would indicate that. But yeah, it was it was very, very disappointing. And I thought Shea Charles looked good when he got the ball. He was, you know, he makes a hell of a lot of tackles. He makes a huge amount of ground himself. But yeah, it, we just lacked any real form of creativity. No one seemed to get their foot on the ball, look up and be able to start of think, right, well, we, you know, what's this pass? What's this move going to look like in two, three passes time? There was none of that. Um, I don't know if you're... Ben, you, you, you see that yourself? No, I would agree with you completely in terms of the, the set pieces. I mean, for international, it's been a problem for quite a while. Um, but for international level footballer, not to be able to beat the first man, um, not once, not twice, more than three times um, is absolutely criminal. Uh, especially when we're not creating things, especially when there is no uh, fluidity, there is no lack of movement quite honestly um you know then, then it's it's much more important that that those set pieces are, are are on point um and there's there's quite there's no excuse for that you know that whether where you've injured players or whether you're missing whoever there's no no excuse for not being able to put a decent ball into the box and and you know i i would agree with you completely as well also um and what you're talking about with the, with the lack of wide players I, I thought it was crying out for it and actually um you were lucky enough not to have the commentary, but uh, Stephen Cragen said that at one point during the first half, I believe it was, that we we really needed to have um, some width in there. And and I thought, honestly, I thought I would have had like Conor McManaman maybe on at half time. Um, you know, we have one shot on target there. Conor McManaman is is that shot creates that shot himself. Um, and creates our only real decent attempt himself. Um, and, and I think that, and even even the other night when he came on, you know, he just asks different questions to players, and, and wide players do, and that's what the Ireland teams have have done well with. You know, with with McGinn, um, going back even as far as Gillespie, I think we need to be. I think we're not good enough at knocking the ball around and passing the ball around and passing through teams. So we need to be attempting to, you know, something different at points in terms of trying to get round them and, and, and uh, you know, get a decent cross into the box. Um, Dion Charles had a poor game tonight. However, what was created for him? You know, you can only, you ju- strikers are judged on putting the ball in there, but if, 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 if he's had nothing created, yeah, there's not. There I actually thought he played yeah. quite well from what he could it's- do first half. Like he's forced a couple of throw-ins. 
out of nothing yep. a couple of times just by pure tenacity. Uh, I wanted, I want to do a quick. Uh, sorry, I know you can't. I'm um, get involved with this. I want to do a quick Cregan corner, um, because there were some wild ones tonight. Ben, like I think my favorite piece of insight was when he said Northern Ireland's problem is they aren't scoring the goals required to win a football match. Um, there was another one where Shay Charles took a quick throw in and he went, "Good boy." <laughs> Yeah, good boy. Yeah, I enjoyed that one myself. Yeah, and to yeah. be fair, Shay and Charles are both dog names, so you know it, it makes sense from <laughs> from from Craig's perspective. Um, he said at one point, Northern Ireland have been under power, so in in attempting to play to the 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 non Northern Irish audience, making sure the accent was right, he 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 miss he you know the one time he actually do pronounce it par, he he pronounced it power, um. <laughs> Yeah, I swear there was, and yet, he, and yet he was still potentially man of the match. <laughs> you know, Thomas Niblock all day long. Come on, um, yeah, there were some, there were some crackers from from Craigan tonight. I thought. Um, do, do you want actually? You were talking about scoring goals to win football matches, Andy. I did a quick count. In our last, <laughs> that wouldn't have taken long, mate. <laughs> no, it went, well, funny enough, in our last, in our last eighteen home matches, how many goals do you think were scored? Nine. Four. I think it's eight. So eight, I have a couple eight, of own goals. Yeah, so we've we've only had two wins in our last 18 home matches. And in 10 of those matches, we haven't scored. Yeah. 10 home games out of 18, we've not scored a goal. And two of them were against. Well, we're, two we're of those consistent. So we're consistent. <laughs> we're consistent at the very least, but that alone as a statistic is absolutely brutal. Two of those goals were against Cyprus in like the last five minutes as well, which kept Baraclough on for about three months. So we can chalk those and two off. Two against Kosovo. Two against Kosovo, yeah. Did, didn't One score against home Lithuania. against. Yeah, we didn't score home against uh, Kazakhstan, Finland, Greece, Hungary, Italy, Switzerland, Bulgaria, Austria. You know, Netherlands, Germany, you know, those are the games we're not scoring anything. But tonight, to me, which was the worst thing, we just, a goal was not going to happen. Like, it was never going to happen tonight. Yeah. He he keeps Isaac Price on for the the 90 minutes uh, quite bizarrely, I think. Um, Sure, it'll come to you. Like, I don't want to be harsh on the lad, but I thought it, it could could easily be one of those where he could have been taken off after forty five minutes. He just he just struggled, and that's fine. He's young, he's dead young, he's barely played. Um, but touches were heavy. Um, and I thought there were a couple of things. Obviously, firstly, I think he doesn't want to hook the lad after forty five. You know, um, I know he's eligible for a few different countries, and if I'm Isaac Price right now, I think I'm taking the. The three or four years out and hoping hoping Germany need number ten at some point in the future, like you know. Um, but I think yeah, the fact that he lasted the ninety minutes, I think he has him in every set piece, which I know we haven't seen much of an evidence of it tonight. It must mean he has something in his locker. Now he does take a couple of half decent ones. There's one to the back post which McNair heads back, I think it's for the Cathcart yep. chance, which is a good set piece. It looks initially as if he's overhead it, but I think it is something that we've worked on. We know what Michael works in the set pieces. There's one he floats in, and it's a decent ball, and the keeper can't quite get to it. Um, You know, there are one or two decent deliveries, and there are one or two dreadful ones as well. That's the only reason I can sort of think that he lasted yeah. the, the full 90. And, uh, well, yeah, I wonder, is the theory in Isaac Price now that 
you know, we play him now, we integrate him now, and then he goes to Belgium, plays loads, gets games at a good level, and becomes a starter for us. I was going to say, it's. I always think whenever a player is on a set piece and it's not great, it almost, you could have this sort of um, maybe bias assessment that their performance isn't particularly good just because the delivery in one, you know, situation hasn't been good. Like, again, he, he shows quite a lot of promise. You know, he, he, he's a, you know, about, you know, he had a nice break towards the end, but just before their goal, he had a nice break coming through. Um, he's, he's clearly showing things in training that Michael is, is, is very, very excited about because he's he showed a huge amount of faith in him over the past couple of games. It wasn't his best game. Um, Michael is obviously far more skilled at this than, than, than any of us, but I wouldn't have been disappointed if he'd come off after 50, 55 minutes. I think it probably would. I think it was a game that was bypassing him. Um, that being said, if Michael is looking at this whole campaign as a bit of a learning experience, as a bit of an education, as a bit of a you know, work experience, if you like, an introduction to international football. Having had that experience, it might serve Isaac Price in good stead. I'm excited about him going to Belgium because I think being in that environment, hopefully very technical, uh, coaching, working alongside other very technical players will, will serve him really well. And we haven't had much continental type exposure to our play, you know, outside of like Kyle Lafferty going on a, you know, a stag do in, in, in Turkey and a few other places, Cyprus, etc. But yeah, I, I thought overall, I didn't think Price was great. You know, and it pains me to say this for a young lad that you want to see come through, but I, I thought his pet set pieces on, on the whole were, were, were disappointing. Um, and I feel that the game did bypass him. It did bypass him a little bit. I just thought, you know, he, he looked like a... And, you know, all... I'm sure you've seen boys coming through at the club you support West Ham, you know, where players look good initially coming through and then they have that one game where they really, really learn and then they get taken out for a little bit and all young players have it. And unfortunately, you know, and unusually for Isaac Price, that game has had to come at international level because he literally hasn't started a game of senior football before um, yep. Denmark away. I don't think, certainly not for everyone in the league. So He looked like an inexperienced 19-year-old, Andy. Yeah, which he is. You know, and are you excited for this this move to Belgium for him, Ben? Because I I I think we have to, whether we've seen enough evidence of it or not. And you know, like against Denmark, he he has a has a really really good shot. He could quite easily equalise for us. Um, I think as I say, whether we've seen it or not, I think we have to accept that Michael O'Neill sees Isaac Price as somebody who, in a year's time or even two years' time, will be a regular starter for Northern Ireland. He doesn't, you know, play. I don't know, a Callum Marshall in, in both games. He doesn't start a Marshall. He doesn't start a Taylor in both games. He doesn't start a, a Galbraith in both games, all these games that we've talked about. He starts Price in both games, and that is a show of of massive faith in him, I think. And I read that Everton did want to keep him, but he wanted to move away, which I think is actually quite refreshing to see from a, a British player, you know, wanting to get away and wanting to actually play in the continent because it's so rare that the players actually do do that. Um, he's going to be playing European football. He's going to be playing every week. He's going to be playing in a good team. So he's going to get plenty of uh, of chances and he's going to develop his game a lot. And um, I don't think we can do too much tonight. I think he's still a player we can be very excited about, Isaac Price. Oh, definitely. No, I mean, I, I've seen enough from him. I saw enough from him the other night to know that he's a player that we, we should be having around us. Um, I wouldn't, wouldn't have given him 90 minutes tonight at all. Um, you know, he'd have come off 
he could have come off at half time. I agree, yeah, but he probably probably would have come off around that fifty minute mark for me. I, I don't understand why we, we left him on. Um, it, it felt it felt to me like he was almost trying too hard at times. You know, the, the touch was evading him, and and yeah, the, the game sort of passing by to a certain extent, but. He really tried to get into it, but just ever just nothing was going his way. Um, but I saw enough the other night to know that he is he is he does look like a technically good footballer. Um, he, he seems to have a bit of pace. That was a great shot that he hit the other night. You know, unlucky it doesn't right. go in. Um, a shot from that angle. You know, I was I was expecting him to hit the crowd more than 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 towards the goal. Um, so no, I I think the move will be a very good one. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a decent level of football. I think any of our players that are moving to be playing regular football is a great is a great thing. Um, but to be playing European football, to be playing regular football, um, and and almost to get you know if the choices were sign another contract and and play reserve football for Everton again, because I can't I can't honestly think that he would sign another contract and go into the Everton team. Um, otherwise, while they were struggling last season, we maybe would have seen him, um, and that, and that wasn't the case. So I think I think it's it's brave as well. It shows a bit of character to not not just stick around, you know, Premier League, um, take your wages or go on loan to a lower league team, but to go out there and try and forge a new life and and and, and gain experience that can only benefit um, him and, and and us all being well. Um, so no, I'm, I'm encouraged by him, and I think I think he is a good player to have around. Um, I just think the manager needs to know when is the right time to take him off and to protect him from himself to a certain extent. You know, um, it's I'm all for giving them a chance to let them make mistakes. They're young. Um, it's how they'll grow and things like that. But at the same time, you know, they can also lose confidence quite easily by, you know, have, having poor games. But it's learning from these games. That's the thing. You know, it's all well and good saying you get these experiences, but it's do, do you learn? And I feel that in the last you know, era of Michael, we, we did learn from these mistakes and he and he applied some some changes and structural changes and tactical changes as well as personnel. But yeah, that, that, that the proof will be in time, I think. I think so, yeah. And I, I, I would start him in Slovenia. I, I would start him in Slovenia. Well, I, I think I think towards the end of the game, obviously we are we're we're pushing for the equalizer, we're pushing for the winner before they before they get the goal. Um but I think when those young players were on the field, it's when we look our best. And given given that you know this campaign is is done in terms of qualification, if it was ever not done, uh, we we need to use it now to to get those young players on playing regularly together, um, and 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 to try and build on it. And if that if that means there's another few defeats coming, you know, quite frankly, the defeats could have been coming anyway. Um, so we may as well make make something out of this, um. You know, so I, I think he has to start in the next game, and 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 so does Shea Charles, and 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 you know the likes of Taylor and stuff look decent when he came on. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Taylor's so, good twice. So why now. not? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing he said about Price is he didn't hide at any points. Very easy, nineteen years old. Uh, you know, nobody would have said anything about him tonight if Ada Burley got on the ball and was just a bit anonymous. But they actually constantly show for the ball and constantly keep making the mistakes, even you know when it must be incredibly frustrating. That's a brave thing to do because people are coming out of that game tonight saying he was crap, and people will be on social saying what how on earth did Isaac Price start? So it's, you know to keep showing for it, the easy thing to do, as I say, and yep. you know it shows his character that he, that he kept going. And you know, fair play, I was you know I've, I've high hopes for that as well. Do you feel? Do you feel? Andy, to say it again, sure. 
So I was just saying, Michael's clearly kept them on for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he has seen something in him, and I think he did come through. But, um, but I think that the thing is, it's easy to talk about Isaac Price in general. Like I think that the reality is, it was just a very flat performance all round. Um, I think the only exception really being, I think ten minutes at the start of the second half. I actually thought we looked quite good. It was a great cross from George Savile at one point, just yeah. whizzed it across. Nice turn, got across Conor McMenamin's chance, of course, to be, uh, that, we, that we mentioned. But, you know, outside of that, you know, I thought Craig Cathcart looked quite sloppy. Um, I know it's an easy thing to say, a couple of bad passes. I think Trey Hume, maybe, again, first big game at home, wasn't probably quite as compact as he was the other night. A couple of good tackles, but there were tackles um, in response to errors. Yeah, agreed. I don't think you want Trey Hume ideally playing right wing back in a game where you, you're expected to win. I think that's, you know, horses for courses, certainly Denmark yeah. at home, Slovenia away even, I think fine with it, but in a game like that, and I think there's there's probably a question mark as well. We won't get into every single player because, you know, we don't have the time, but I think there's a question mark over whether you need McCann and Savile in the same team as well against Kazakhstan. Okay, we don't have an awful lot more we can do, but we can stick McNair into there. And, you know, whether that's something he's just going to completely throw to one side at this point because he's not playing there for his club, I'm not sure. But, you know, they seem to perform a similarly workmanlike function in that team. And I think in a game like tonight, you only need one of them. Of course, other night worked really well. We're solid, but needs to be a bit more horses for courses. A couple of bright sparks to finish off. Um. Stuart, it's a couple of times, well, it's it's more than a couple of times now that McManaman has come on and, and looked really, really good and really bright. It happened towards the end of Barraclough in the Nations League. Um, he actually ends up starting a couple of games and, to be honest, was our best player in a couple of those games. I think Cyprus home, he's our best player Um, a couple of times. He comes on against uh, against Denmark and, again, against top players, is, is, is making his mark. And I thought, again, tonight was by far our, our brightest spark. He gives the crowd a lift and the crowd were flat tonight, understandably. But, you know, he's got, he's got a real sort of wand of a left foot on him now. And if he gets himself across to lower leagues of England or even to, I saw the, the United Arab Emirates touted as well. I'm not sure if that's still on. You know, he's all of a sudden going to go up a level again. And I understand maybe why Michael might be slightly reluctant to play him because he's kind of not the opposite end of the spectrum to Isaac Price. He's only 27, but I think, um, you know, they were saying it in commentary tonight, no real resale value for any team that gets him now. You're very much playing him for the now, but, you know, there's an element of this guy's coming on and making a massive impact every time. And he can potentially go over to England, get himself into the maybe the championship at a push and, and give us four or five decent years in international football. I don't think that's out of the equation for McManaman at this point. I don't know if you saw during the week, Andy Ali Poor, the uh, Glentoran owner and chairman was talking, or the owner, sorry, was talking about um, the investment coming in. And I'm sure he had his fingers crossed that that shot had been just a bit uh, higher or lower beyond the keeper that might have been added an extra 10 25, 50k to Conor McMenon's, uh transfer fee. A guy that looks good, you know. And again, it's again, it's difficult to judge entirely when he's on, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. He had a decent run tonight. I think it was maybe 25, 30 minutes. I thought he looked good. You know, he's not phased by the the challenge of international football. I think he's stepped up. I think he's improved. Um, I think he's come on leaps and bounds. I you know, follow the Irish League, and he's come on leaps and bounds over the last couple of years at Glentoran. And um, I think if he does make that move um, to like, overseas, wherever that may be, near or far, I think it will serve him very well. And I was just thinking about this when you, you and Ben were, 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 were chatting. 
it's very easy, to, I suppose, to have a much of a pessimistic doom and gloom attitude. Like the reality is, Kazakhstan didn't outclass us by any stretch of the imagination. You know, they weren't better at, at us in this match. They got a chance, a fortuitous one at the end. That was, you know, the, the, the striker worked worked it well. But you know, I thought overall, <laughs> it was just a poor game of football that was decided by a comical goal. Um, so I am trying to, I suppose, be a bit more pragmatic in my responses uh, <laughs> now that the, the, as, as the pod goes on. But yeah, McMenamin was clearly a bright spark for us. But again, you know, not enough crosses for me, not enough sort of challenging balls into the box for Dion Charles or Labrie when they came on to, to really, you know, throw themselves at, which was probably one of the, the more disappointing aspects. I read Ben, last word to you, and just, I suppose, we've, we've talked about him, I think, pretty much every podcast for the last year or so when he's he's been in the team, and he, he kind of just keeps going from strength to strength. I don't think he's, like, world-class in, in these last two games, but certainly he's come in at 19 years old or 18 years old, whatever he is, and shown that he is somebody who's, who's a say training with these top players every day. I think Shay Charles is, is just constantly looking like a bright spark in midfield again, like... You know, you've got your Ali McCanns and your George Savills there who are, are good players, but I say perform a little bit more of a workmanlike uh, function for us, whereas Shea Charles can turn. He's got that tactical awareness. He gets in the ball. He drives forward at times. I think it was telling that Kazakhstan kicked him every single time he got the ball because they did not want him turning around and facing their back um, 20, as it was at times, uh, with the ball, you know, and eventually one of them gets booked for it when he makes a great run forward but he's playing very differently to what he is um you know i'm sure training with man city every day doing very different things and just showing he's he's very adaptable and um you know we said about isaac price and how we're excited about him and how megaloney clearly rates him very highly but you know shea charles has started as he started all four i think of the game so you know exactly yeah. the same boat yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's, you know, I've said it before. I said it from right from when he got in. Um, he, he's like, you know, there's like an old head in there um, in terms of reading the game. Um, and he, he almost, he almost is, as a football and brain, it seems to be above some of our players, um, if I'm quite honest. He seems to be able to do everything. The only thing that, well, I, well, I don't know if it's missing, I haven't seen it yet, is, is a shot. Um, he can pass, he can tackle, you know, he, he knows where to be positionally, breaking up a play. Um, if you know, if we're excited about him now, one, one thing that I would I'm hope that in a year's time we're sitting here having him either gone out on loan and played regular football for a season or or whether he moves on permanently, I don't know. That Man City team's a is a hell of a team to try and break into. Um so whether whether his future is there, I don't know. I know there was teams in Germany touted as interested in him and stuff. Um, so you know, haven't haven't played regular. They? They, I had heard that at one stage, but then I'd heard that Borussia Mucci and Gladbach were very interested, um, which sounded a little more concrete than the Dortmund. Um, but uh, you know, regular football for a season as Your as, as didn't has sound happened, a little bit more concrete. No, I definitely <laughs> didn't. I was I was wondering. It was wondering. It couldn't have made up another team there. But anyway, that would be a brilliant um, move, though, wouldn't it? If he was to go to Germany right. or Spot, something yeah, like 100%. that. Like, oh, absolutely. That, that could be a little niche shirt for some of our players. You know, we've seen McGee go over there. Okay, it hasn't. You know, he, he doesn't make this squad. I'm not sure if he's injured or not. I don't think he's going to be yeah. starting for Northern Ireland anytime soon. He's late in his twenties now, and um, yeah. But you know, for an Isaac Price going across there for a Shea Charles. You know, these aren't... You're thinking maybe Karen Brown getting to Bayern Munich or something? Is that what you're... <laughs> I mean, these are Jordan Thompson. Come on, it'll be Jordan Thompson if anyone's going to Bayern Munich, let's be honest. No, I, well, I, speaking I, of, I, which, I, speaking I, of which, 
Jordan Thompson, I just wanted to say before the end of the podcast, I know Dave Dunning had texted in to say he thought that he played really well at left back, but he thought that we, we sort of missed him in the middle. Um, and that, that might have changed the game. So I, I just I, I knew I did tell David would say what he said. So no, that's important. Can I just say on that, like the, these moves aren't aren't Kyle Lafferty stag dudes, as I think you say. These are genuine, like <laughs> really good moves. And, you know, I think, well, we know that in this country and in the United Kingdom, we can massively overestimate um, the power of our own leagues and even maybe overestimate the, the quality of the championship or League One. Whereas actually getting out there, as I say, it massively makes you mature as a person. How's your price going out there at 19? New language, um, you know, everything, new new, stat, new new way of life. Shay Charles would be doing the same. And, you know, I, I just think it's great. And I think it's, it's a little niche where we can develop our players that little bit more than other countries might not be if they're, you know, hammering them in the in the physical and, um, I don't know, full of grocks in the championship. I think we can get a little bit of more of a niche into our, our technical players in, in doing that. And I, I'd love to see Shay Charles get get over to Germany in one of those teams. The idea that, you know, again, not to bash English football here because it's incredible in terms of the strength. No, of the let's bash teams. English what, football. Go on. Okay, cool. Let's do that. But like, the fact is that, like, you know, you look at these other countries, Germany, Spain, France, Italy, Belgium, Netherlands, etc. You know, comp- comp- the, the players that they are producing, the teams that they are producing um, with more quote quote more sort of national based players over there. I think it's a phenomenal opportunity. Like if it's good enough for the likes of Vijit Bellingham, it's good enough for Shea Charles. You know, if it's good enough for um is it Sancho, you know, who who went there as well. Like it's if it, it there's fifty four other countries that play in Europe. Musiala um, as well, I forget was, you know, grew up yeah, in course. and went over there. That's right. But you look at someone like even Connor Hazard. Connor Hazard went to HJK Helsinki uh, for the 2022 season. He played 12, 13 matches in the Europa League. He won a national a national league championship. He played 30 odd games. Like that or set the bench for Celtic. You know, it's there's so many opportunities. Hopefully there's opportunities out there and it might just take one or two. I know the Republic of Ireland have been doing it. A lot of their youth players are over now in the likes of Italy. Um, there's been a wave of four or five of them over there. And look, any good young Northern Irish player that has a chance to, to play in a first or second league in any European country, in fairness, especially those top 10, 15, absolutely, yeah. you take it and you, and I th- you learn I from think it. as well, Ben, like Michael's probably encouraging them to go there because ever since Isaac Price has got his move to Belgium, he started the two games. He didn't start the two games in, in March when he was on the bench at, at Everton. So it wouldn't be surprised me if... If Michael said to these players, listen, if you can get over there, get into the, you know, even a low level Bundesliga side or a low level Serie A side. I think to be fair, like, you know, low level Premier League teams are a level above low level Serie A or Bundesliga teams, you know, but you're still exposing themselves to that that style of play, a bit more technical style of play. I feel like you've like a little bit more time to learn because like there's so much money in the Premier League, especially as well. You know, you mentioned, for example, Isaac Price there, who Everton were struggling, but they didn't throw him in. But there's such a risk because if that goes wrong, that could be points and that can be the difference in your club surviving in England. That's why they have to do these massive parachute payments to teams going down to the championship and teams going down to League One as well. Whereas I feel like, okay, still teams down there in, in European leagues are still fighting for their lives, but it's not as tragic a thing to get relegated. You know, English football is very much win at all costs, whereas there's a little bit more of a development culture in those countries. And I'm wondering if a few more of our, our players over there will, will actually benefit us. Yeah, I mean, they they seem over there to to 
to like to see young players coming through rather than money being splashed at it, which in the Premier League is is the way. Um, you know, and they like to develop players and, and seem to be a little bit more patient with them. I mean, I even look at the, the Scottish players that have, have gone recently, like Lewis Ferguson went from Aberdeen, um, you know, was was the talk was he wasn't good enough for Rangers, even in Scotland. Now Juventus are looking at him because he's had a brilliant season at Bologna. Um, you know, you've had you had Aaron Hickey left Hearts. He went across to uh, I forget who it was now, but was and then Bologna he's got to move well, back. Wasn't it? Might have been, yeah, yeah. And he's got to move back to the Premier League on big on for what sixteen million on you know. So it, it, it's good, but I think if you're if you're an international manager, if you're Michael O'Neill and and you're looking at a player, you know Isaac Price, if he was if he has turned down a, a contract. Um, at Everton, and and he's shown he's shown one, he's shown bravery, he's shown ambition, and he's shown that the most important thing is to play football. Whereas uh, there's other players who are happy to just sit, you know. Uh, I'm not trying to dig out our players, but I mean Billy Peacock Farrell needs to look, take a look at himself now and say, look at the age of me now. Do I want to play football or do I just want to sit on the bench my entire career? Um, he's a good goalkeeper. He's he's too good a goalkeeper to just sit on benches. Um, so I think I think you've got to you've got to go out there and you've got to put yourself. But you know that that shows a character that that probably Michael's looking for that that you're going to be ambitious and you're going to go out there and want to forge a career for yourself rather than just sit around tra- train at a high level but but not play. Michael wanted Johnny Evans to go abroad. I remember he said on the Graham Hunter podcast back before the Euros. He, he, he commented. He said he wanted. He commented that he thought that Johnny Evans would excel playing abroad, and I, I would tend to agree. I think if Johnny Evans had gone to maybe a top six team in Spain, you know, when he was at United at that time, I think he would have come on. Yeah, you know, I think he's like a defender, would shoot him, shoot him down to the ground. Syria, Germany, you know, I think he would have done really well. And look, there's a really big opportunity for us over the next couple of years to have about seven, eight of these young players coming through. But the reality is we've also really got no other alternative because there's a high chance that might, be, might have been Johnny Evans, you know, one of his last games for us at home. Same with Craig Cathcart. You, know, you can't really see those boys go on. I think if Johnny goes, I don't think Craig will be far behind him if he doesn't go first. Um, so there's there's a big learning curve coming up for, for our boys. And, Today was a very, very, very harsh lesson. Very, very harsh lesson. Um, but unfortunately, we've been here, you know, all too many times. So the thing is, if, if, if this was a result under Barraclough, we'd be absolutely furious. You know, and, and let's be honest, we would be. And I, I think we're all pretty upset, but we're not quite escaping. And I, I don't know if that's fair or if that's not fair, but it, it is what it is. Maybe. I think it is, though. I think it's fair because there's there's a belief in Michael that's based on something, um, and 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 he 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 does he, he's made mistakes. He does make mistakes. He will make mistakes, but he's an attack tactically astute manager that that can get the best out of the players. Now he has isn't doing it this minute in time, but what he inherited, how low we were, um, how we we didn't even practice set pieces. You know the, the dysfunction that he has inherited, plus those injuries on top. Um, yeah, I, I would be if this was Barclough, I would be absolutely going mental compared to what I'm what I am now. Um, but that's because I know that Michael can lead us out of this, whereas Barclough to me was only going to keep digging and digging and digging and getting us further back. Yeah, agreed. Uh, right, we're going to wrap it up. I enjoyed that conversation in the end. Um, Enjoyed the fact that we've barely actually talked about the game. Let's do more of that when we lose. What game? Yeah, exactly. 
yeah, I hope you enjoyed our like little intermittent podcast in between international breaks, even though there's no game to talk about. Um, you know, we'll maybe do a few more of these. Um specifically after the Slovenia and uh, Kazakhstan games in September, which aren't going to take place because we're not going to talk about them. Um, training matches, just training. Yeah, like, should we just like pick a topic, like Northern Irish players going abroad and just talk about that when we lose? I think we should do that more. Uh, yeah, I think that was well more enjoyable. But um, yeah, let, 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 let's wrap it up. Thanks very much, lads. Appreciate that. I know it's not easy to come on after um, what I'm sure will be dubbed by the Stephen Nolans of the world is the darkest day in Northern Irish football in history. And um, yeah, wh- wh- why don't we talk about an All-Ireland football team? Because I'm sure that um, that everyone will, will bring that old debate up tomorrow when uh, when one of the two nations loses. But yeah, listen, whatever. Uh, thanks very much for listening. We will see you again in September. And so for a bit of positivity in, uh, in the September, October, November games. And yeah, let's just qualify for the World Cup because it's better anyway. <laughs>